just a few verses prior to the story we heard from Genesis this morning, the one about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we have the story of Adam's creation. It reads, The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. If you were here this past Wednesday, you heard similar words while ashes were smudged into your forehead. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Scripture tells us that between the dust of our creation and the dust to which we return, our lives are animated by the breath of life, the very breath of God. I once heard an Old Testament scholar who marveled at the near impossibility of naming exactly what it is we become when God gives us life. In the version of the Bible we read in church, we are told that we become a living being. Other versions say that we become a living soul, a living creature, a living person, or simply alive. The Hebrew word behind it, nefesh, is translated elsewhere in scripture to speak of our passions and our longings. And so this particular scholar believed the verse should read, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living hunger. What would it mean to you to understand that your deepest created nature is one of appetite or a desire to fill an emptiness? That God has breathed God's own life into you that you might become a living hunger. Some of the most eloquent voices of the Christian past have spoken of this sacred hungering. The mathematician and theologian Blaise Pascal in the, the mid-17th century wrote, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. And St. Augustine of Hippo in his confessions wrote 12 centuries before Pascal, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Our gospel this morning points back toward our created nature. We heard, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. He was hungry, alone, weak, vulnerable. He was human. What a far cry from the last time anyone had seen Jesus, his flesh still glistening from the waters of baptism, where a voice from heaven had proclaimed, This is my son, the beloved. It is Lent. The season when the church drives us back into the wilderness, dusty and dirty, to explore who Jesus is and who we are and what it means to be both human and the beloved of God. 
In the first reading, we hear of Adam and Eve tempted to seek knowledge beyond their ken, to be something more than human, to become like God. In the gospel, we hear a twist on that. Jesus, who is already fully God, is tempted to turn away from what it means to be fully human. If you are God's son, why don't you behave like one? You're hungry? Turn these stones to bread. And while you're at it, feed, feed everybody else. Exhausted? Aching? Let the angels take care of you. And then send them to take care of everybody else while you're at it. Feeling frustrated and powerless? Take control and use your power to make everything right. Jesus isn't taunted to do something bad. He is taunted to do things that are entirely reasonable and good, but for the wrong reasons. The test is a test of his motivations, a test of his willingness to identify as one of us, in particular to accept the many limits and inabilities and liabilities that we all live with. Even, even as he identifies as fully divine. The devil taunts Jesus as the son of God, but all of his taunts speak to Jesus' humanity, his nephesh, the hunger and longing and vulnerabilities that come with human being, with being human. As one commentator paraphrases the temptations of Jesus, to Jesus, seriously, do you really want to be like them? Could you really abdicate power, exercise restraint, work in obscurity, bear the vulnerability of being weak and mortal and human? The implication is that if we are beloved of God, then God will meet our every need. If we are truly loved, then wouldn't God keep us satiated and safe? It's such an enticing question because it speaks to our own deepest fears for ourselves and for those we love. We want so much to believe that we can leverage our belovedness into a sort of force field that will provide for us and keep us safe. But we cannot. If the cross teaches us anything, it is that God's precious children still bleed, still hurt, still die. We are loved in our vulnerability, not rescued from it. Our significance, our power is seated in humility and self-sacrifice. So if Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness was the time to decide who he is and how to live out his nature, then we need to look at what he chooses. Deprivation over ease, vulnerability over rescue, obscurity over honor. Every time he could have grasped security, power, and esteem, he chose precariousness, uncertainty, and the mundane. Many of us have given something up for Lent, chocolate, wine, social media. The opportunity is to sit with our hungers, wants, and desires and learn, learn what they have to teach us. To stop for a bit and notice what is the hunger beneath the hunger. 
Because if we peel our appetites back, we will find at the core of our being God's own desire for us. At his baptism, Jesus hears the truth that he is the beloved of God. In the wilderness, he faces every assault on that truth, and he learns how to live into that belovedness in a threatening and broken world. It is in the same threatening and broken world that we learn what it is to be a precious child of God, where we learn that we can be beloved and uncomfortable at the same time, that we can be beloved and unsafe at the same time. Lent, our stint in the wilderness, is a time to distinguish the voice of temptation, to recognize its allure and confess its appeal. It is a time to realign our appetites with the one who hungers for us, that our appetites might be purged to become what they were given to be, wholesome and healing and just. It is not a time to repent of being human. It is a time, rather, to embrace all that it means to be human, human and hungry, human and vulnerable, human and beloved. Amen.